Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today I started putting together an Activision Blizzard catch-up video. But as I was doing so, one of the stories that was being discussed is part of the things at least tangentially related to Activision Blizzard and their fight against the state of California and the EEOC for claims made against them for sexual harassment and pay discrimination was a kind of piggyback suit that I've been asked about a lot over the past week since it was filed. And I scanned it when I first saw it and I thought, well, this needs to bake in the oven a little bit more. But since then, I've seen a lot of people reporting on it and discussing it. So we're going to do so here today. Now, before we get started with that, I want to point out that in a video I did in this series just a little while ago, one of the things that was asked of me and that I commented on was the Xbox and PlayStation internal emails talking to their own employees about how disappointed they were with Activision Blizzard, how they were going to ask that company to do more. This was followed up by Nintendo and an internal mail that they apparently had as well. And as part of the video commentary that I made on this, I said, in terms of additional action above and beyond that kind of email communication, it would surprise me if either Microsoft or Sony moved too far with that because of a number of reasons. One, because they don't really want to be policing every single possible thing at these companies that are otherwise just business partners because that can be a slippery slope for what is expected of them. But two, and most importantly for this conversation, they don't know what they don't know about what might be coming down the bend for them. You can assume when we talk about this that Bobby Kotick and the board of directors of Activision Blizzard are evil and they're twirling their mustaches and they know everything that happened in the company. And that might well be the case. We can't actually speak to that. But more often than not, when you're talking about dysfunction in really giant companies like Microsoft, like Sony, both companies that aren't even only related to the video game industry, you can have essentially management teams that are bad under the main management group. You can have divisions and subsidiaries that are a problem. Certainly Activision is trying to make that case that Blizzard was really where all the problems were and not Activision on the whole. But it does mean that if you're making high-level statements, you have to be very, very cautious about what you say because you don't want to be put in a position that your life is made doubly worse when a lawsuit comes down the pipe, which unfortunately for Sony is exactly the situation they now find themselves in. Here's Polygon, PlayStation faces gender discrimination lawsuit. Here's Win, same kind of thing. Sony sued for gender discrimination. And if you look at all these articles, and there are a number of them on the internet, they all trace back to Stephen Totillo at Axios, who made an article about this. He says, lawsuit against PlayStation alleges gender discrimination. The way Axios does this, they do it in bullet points and kind of short form understanding. I actually like their format, but it's a little bit unusual. He said a former IT security analyst at Sony PlayStation filed a lawsuit against the company in California on Monday, alleging gender discrimination and wrongful termination after speaking up about discrimination against females at the gaming giant. That's a pretty damning kind of sentence. Your brain immediately kind of conjures up, oh, this was a whistleblower. This was somebody that had information that was complaining about it. They were retaliated against, and now they're bringing a lawsuit. She's actually we're going to see seeking a class action for all females and all individuals that identify as female at Sony nationwide. Axio says why it matters. Well, now we start to get a little bit blurry. Why it matters. Video game companies are under increased scrutiny. The Sony suit comes amid high profile state and federal lawsuits against Activision. Game companies ranging from Ubisoft, Riot, and Fulbright have faced a reckoning over women's experiences working for them. 
The big picture scrutiny of game companies over their treatment of women has been especially intense in California, where this lawsuit is brought, and where Sony's U.S. headquarters is based. And I don't disagree. There's no false facts in any of that framework, but it presents a narrative that kind of assumes how you or I should feel about the facts as presented in this lawsuit and effectively the veracity of what is shown. By framing it against Activision, Fulbright, Ubisoft, Riot, and I'm sure a number more, you start to get the feeling that, oh, this is just another of this line. How could Sony be involved? How could PlayStation be involved with this as well? When I want to say one thing before we get going and looking at this lawsuit, we're not going to do a line-by-line deep dive because I don't think there's quite as much to dive into here. We're going to talk about it in connection with Activision because I think they offer a good juxtaposition. But there's a danger with the kind of concept of having a reckoning that anything that follows that narrative that goes along with that story is something that will be legitimized from the off. And what we do here in virtual legality is we look at the actual facts and circumstances presented. And I got to tell you before we dive in here, This isn't the world's strongest lawsuit. We're going to be pointing out a few areas where at least question marks are presented. And certainly we're going to be talking about the facts that aren't alleged as well as the facts that are. So let's take a look at this. United States District Court. So it's a federal lawsuit. That's an important part of this. It's a request to be a representative for a class. So this person wants to be a lead plaintiff representing an entire class of individuals that she says were affected in the same way as her. That's how federal class actions work. You have to say, I'm a good representative of this group of people and what the defendant did affected us all in mostly equal ways. That's how a class action can arrive at essentially pro rata splits for damages and things like that. This complaint is brought by plaintiff Emmy Majo, and I don't know how that's pronounced, so I apologize in advance. I'll mostly be talking about her as the plaintiff, I think. But if you're watching this, Emma, I apologize if I mispronounced your name. Against her former employer, defendant Sony Interactive Entertainment. It's not just Sony. We're talking about the video game division here. Plaintiff hereby demands a jury trial on all causes of action tribal to a jury and alleges the following. So as we said, individual female working at Sony Interactive Entertainment is accusing them of some stuff and wants to be a representative of a class of defendants. Now, before we get into even the details there, we have a little bit of homework to do first. This is a section that you don't always see in lawsuits, but you do when you're talking about things like discrimination claims. Paragraph eight, defendants regularly and systematically do business in the state of California. Okay, no problem there. And are subject to suit under the Fair Employment and Housing Act in that defendants regularly employ five or more persons. No controversy there. And if you are looking at F-E-H-A and saying, hey, I recognize that. Yes, you do. This lawsuit is going to be brought on almost the identical complaints and basis as the D-F-E-H, the Department of Fair Employment and Housing, an actual agency of the state of California, brought their lawsuit against Activision. Notably, after an investigation that all the records now show started in 2018, so three years from the time that they brought their lawsuit, they were compiling information about what they claim is systematic pay discrimination in Activision. We're going to be looking at those differences as part of this video. But as you might also note from our earlier coverage of Activision Blizzard, there's certain hoops you have to jump through. In general, because it's so important that these agencies get a crack at investigating this, because it's so difficult for any given employee to get access to the information they'd need to bring these claims, that Department of Fair Employment and Housing actually gets first crack at this. And you don't get to sue under those specific laws until they've essentially said, nah, 
we're not going to do anything, or at least are pressing forward on a time frame that you don't like. It says plaintiff timely filed a charge of discrimination, failure to investigate discrimination and retaliation against defendants, that's Sony, with the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing. Important to note, we don't get a date here. And I'll tell you why that's important in just a second. On November 22nd, 2021, plaintiff received a notice of the right to sue from the DFEH pursuant to California Government Code Section 12965B. Plaintiff filed this action within one year of the date of her DFEH right to sue letter. Therefore, administrative remedies have been properly exhausted. Now, a couple of things stand out here. A couple of exclamation points. If you like Metal Gear Solid, you can add that sound effect in your mind. On November 22nd, 2021, she received her notice of a right to sue. If you look at the date of when this was actually filed, it's November 22nd, 2021. She didn't just receive her right to sue notice from the DFEH. She had already prepared this and filed it on the same day of the notice she was given. She already assumed that the Department of Fair Employment and Housing was not going to move forward with a complaint of their own because the section cited is what you would expect. If a civil action is not brought by the department within 150 days after the filing of a complaint, or if the department earlier determines that no civil action will be brought, the department shall promptly notify in writing the person claiming to be aggrieved that the department shall issue on request the right to sue notice. So she submits a complaint, which she says is timely, but doesn't actually say when she submitted it. And then on November 22nd, 2021, she gets her right to sue notice. And we don't have enough context here to know exactly what that looked like from the Department of Fair Employment and Housing's purview, right? 150 days could be that she filed a complaint sometime over the summer, uh, or maybe even at the same time that they saw that the Department of Fair Employment and Housing was bringing a suit against Activision. We don't know. We know that the department can essentially cut things off and say, there's nothing here, but if you want to sue, go for it. Uh, And that could have happened here. Or the other option you have is you can instead say, hey, we'll wait for your investigation to be over. And as we saw with Activision, that took three years. And ultimately, the department decided to bring a lawsuit against that company. Here, either she has short-circuited the process with the Department of Fair Employment Housing, or the department has said, "Uh, there's not really enough here for us to bring a lawsuit. We'll, of course, let you have the right to sue. That's your right under the law. Here's your notice. And then the same day she gets that notice, she files this lawsuit. So I think if you're thinking about this just in terms of tilt and how we should assume this looks, this is not the same kind of lawsuit as was brought against Activision. In that case, you're talking about a three-year investigation. You're talking about a department that had talked to tons of employees and former employees and came up with what they wanted to argue for. And if you remember at the start of the Activision versus Blizzard series, I actually have some issues with the way that they frame this with kind of anecdotes and data points that don't actually match what the claims are under the law. And yet still, what we'll see is that this lawsuit from the state of California against Activision is significantly stronger just on, on the page here. We don't know what would happen in discovery or anything else. We don't make guesses as to what a judge will say or what a jury would say, but in stronger as written than this one by far. So let's continue. It says federal claims under the Federal Equal Pay Act do not require any right to sue notice. I don't have to comply with the California Workers' Compensation Act because we're not talking about the injuries that relate to the actual business. Those all seem to check out. I'd be lying to tell you if I went through every statute and confirmed this, but ultimately what's important about this exhaustion of administrative remedies concept is that the department in California decided not to sue or she didn't give them enough time to sue. And that kind of goes with the story 
I want to tell here, which is to say, when you do have a reckoning, when you have Riot out there, when you have Activision out there, when you have the Ubisofts out there on Twitter and elsewhere, when they're getting covered in Polygon and Kotaku and IGN and GameSpot and mass media, as well as gaming specific media, lawyers and plaintiffs often can smell blood in the water, right? If you've got any kind of complaint against Sony or Microsoft or Nintendo or EA or anyone else, a lawyer will have the conversation with you. And there are things in her story here that are suggestive of potentially having a discrimination complaint against a manager at Sony, or maybe even against Sony with respect to herself. But where things get a little bit more blurry is how she attaches her own experiences to a systematic problem at Sony when she doesn't allege anything that leads me there, at least in this paperwork. So let's see what she does alleged. Plaintiff represents a class consisting of all individuals employed by Sony Interactive Entertainment LLC four years prior to the filing of the complaint matching statutes that identify as female or that are female. Plaintiff alleges that employees who are female or identify as female were not compensated equally to male employees who had substantially similar job classifications, were not compensated equally to male employees who performed substantially similar work, were denied equal compensation to similarly situated male employees by being held back to lower pay levels, and or were denied promotions. Now, those are serious allegations. And if they ring a bell to you, they should. It's exactly what the state of California brought against Activision. It's the main section of their lawsuit. This gets lost a little bit in the sexual harassment complaints, which aren't a part of the suit against Sony. But you can see here, the state of California says, defendants have engaged in and continue to perpetuate discriminatory practices regarding pay, assignment, promotion, and other terms and conditions of employment. They begin at higher when women were offered lower compensation. The pay disparity continued throughout employment. Women were also afforded less stock and incentive pay opportunities, were steered into the lower levels of defendants' hierarchy. But note also this, right? That's just the first page, paragraphs 31 through 35 in the Department of California's lawsuit against Activision. Then they start giving anecdotes. An example, a female employee who worked at Blizzard was assigned to a lower level, et cetera, et cetera. Similarly, other female employees at Blizzard were assigned to lower levels, denied equal pay, et cetera. Female employees were also assigned to lower levels at Activision Publishing. Female employees were not promoted because of discriminatory practices against pregnant employees, which also pops up in the EEOC lawsuit and settlement with Activision. So you get a lot more, okay, this is why we are alleging these kinds of things. We can actually point to someone to whom this affected and here we're not going to see that. Instead, the very first paragraph is, Sony reports that 41% of PlayStation owners are females. Okay, that's, that's a complete non sequitur to how Sony actually operates as a company. And then see some articles about that. Even though nearly half of PlayStation owners are females, a 2020 study revealed that Sony's executive committee was 100% male. The report was prepared and we're attaching it. It's actually the only attachment to this lawsuit. Sony received the worst possible rating, Asleep, because Sony did not have any females in either staff or line leadership roles, there was no female representation at all in the executive committee. And honestly, that might not be a good thing. I can agree with that. I can think, hey, Sony, maybe you should have a more diverse executive committee. And yet this paragraph, the very first in terms of factual allegations, doesn't have anything to do with pay discrimination or promotion or anything else as the company actually operates. It's essentially kind of asking you to take a circumstantial leap with the plaintiff here and is suggestive as you start reading this 40-page document of the fact that they don't appear to have anything stronger because it's one person talking about her experience at Sony. It's exactly why 
we have the departments in California and other states, why we have the EEOC, because it's very difficult to make this kind of claim from this kind of standpoint. And she doesn't, in my opinion, as we'll see in this document, get over that particular hump. Sony tolerates and cultivates a work environment that discriminates against female employees, including female employees and those who identify as female. Strong words. Sony's discriminatory policies, practices, and procedures include a system where women are denied opportunities for advancement at Sony. Sony's nationwide practices, policies, and procedures result in lower compensation for female employees than similarly situated male employees. So you're just repeating your earlier allegations now. In general, the policies, practices, and procedures that govern the pay and promotions of female employees lack the sufficient standards, quality control, implementation metrics, transparency, and oversight to ensure equal opportunities for males and females at Sony. Now, this is actually interesting. This is a little bit tangential to the overall allegations, but what she's getting at here is maybe I can't prove formal discrimination. What I might be able to show is that everything they've put together prevents them from even detecting discrimination at the management class above or below, right? And what I might be able to argue here successfully is, Whatever complaint and compliance policies may exist, they lack meaningful control standards, implementation metrics, and means of redress such that upper management may ignore, disregard, minimize, cover up, mishandle, or otherwise fail to respond properly to evidence of discrimination in the workplace. So Sony doesn't have the stuff it needs to even combat discrimination. But you can see how we've skipped a base, right? They discriminate. They don't pay people right. They don't promote people right. Here's an article about how few people are on their executive committee. Then I'm going to allege everything again. And then they don't have the proper controls to tell that they're discriminating. And if you start to feel like this is looking like a fishing expedition, that this is a set of allegations that, hey, they could be true. Sony could be discriminating. But I don't actually, as proposed lead plaintiff here, have the information right now. I want to go into discovery and find out this stuff. I don't think you're necessarily wrong. She continues, Sony's policies, practices, and procedures are not valid, job-related, or justified by business necessity. We don't see any reference to what those policies or procedures might be. Upon information and belief, Sony's discriminatory employment practices, policies, and procedures are centrally established and implemented at the highest levels of Sony. This affects everyone. I want my class to be nationwide. Because of Sony's systemic pattern and practice of gender discrimination, the plaintiff and members of the proposed class have suffered harm. That's the first set. That's the overview of what this plaintiff wants you to think about Sony. And it's an article and the allegations repeated with at least one allegation that's interesting about they don't have the proper policies in place, but nothing actually talking about the policies themselves, how the language falters, what is in that employee handbook that causes you such grave concern. Then we have a lot of thoughts about why this should be a class. And if you're not familiar with federal rules or state law about class actions, in general, you're allowed to be a class if you're a good representative, if there's a number of people that are situated in the same way, that were affected in the same way by somebody's bad acts. And so you have to spend a lot of paperwork establishing that that's true for you, including that you have common issues of law and fact. And again, we get another repetition of the allegations here. The common issues of law are whether Sony is engaged in unlawful systemic gender discrimination, whether the failure to institute adequate standards violates these various laws, whether the lack of transparency violates those laws, a determination of the proper standard. The common questions of fact include whether Sony has intentionally held back female employees on its pay scale, used a compensation system that lacks appropriate standards, compensated female employees less than similarly situated male employees, minimized gender discrimination, cultivated indifference to evidence of discrimination. All these things that could be true, right? I don't want to have this video be standing for the fact that Sony didn't do anything wrong. 
We have no idea whether Sony did anything wrong. What we do know in this document is that this plaintiff doesn't appear to have any direct indication that Sony did something wrong. It's a feeling, and it's a feeling based on her personal relationship at Sony. And we're going to see that as we get down to the actual facts that are alleged rather than these kind of legal facts that are alleged. We still have collective allegations under the Equal Pay Act. Plaintiff alleges violations of the Equal Pay Act were willful, deliberate, and systemic, which is to try to get big damages. The nationwide class seeks compensation because they were not compensated equally for all the reasons that we talked about before. And that's it. That's your facts on the big, big ticket items, that gender discrimination, that unequal pay. You don't get a factual allegation section like you did from California. You don't get these paragraphs about this is what happened. This person had a job. This person was passed over, et cetera, et cetera. You don't get that. And even this in California isn't ironclad. There are a lot of data points that you can look at here and say that doesn't rise to the level of systemic issues. They become more and more distant as Activision Blizzard continues to do silly things in the public and make it more likely that they might have been having problems with their internal management. I have to admit that. But as we look at these documents, California is stronger and we don't get even that from this particular lawsuit. Instead, what we get is the following. Facts regarding plaintiff's individual causes of action. Ms. Majo joined Sony in 2015. When plaintiff began at Sony, her department was roughly 60-40 of men-women, but over the years, plaintiff observed a shift towards more and more males. As of 2021, Sony is dominated by males. Now, there's a whole number of issues with just this paragraph, but first and foremost, we've now got a timeline. She joins in 2015. As of 2021, Sony is dominated by males. Does that mean Sony Interactive Entertainment? Does that mean Sony on the whole? Similarly, in the prior sentence, she says her department was 60-40, but over the years, she observed a shift towards more and more males. And then to establish that, she talks about Sony and not her department on the whole and not on the same basis that she uses in the prior sentence. So what's the percentage at Sony right now? What's the percentage of her department right now? All of these questions are kind of posed by this framework, much like the fact that her leaving out the date when she actually complained to the department, who might have dismissed it in 30 days. You don't know because you don't get that context was left out. She's avoiding giving you this context. She's avoiding telling you what the percentage is now. She's changing the denominator from her department to Sony on the whole. When Sony on the whole isn't a part of this lawsuit, it's Sony Interactive Entertainment, right? Continuing, she says, Sony has managers who will not be alone in a room with a female with the door closed. If plaintiff went into a room with this manager and a male colleague, then the manager would only speak to the male colleague. It would be as if plaintiff was not even in the room. And admittedly, That sounds like it could potentially be a cause of discrimination, depending on a whole host of factors, but it would be a cause of discrimination specifically against that manager, which makes sense because chances are that's the individual that this plaintiff has the most close ties to that can actually talk about what was happening in those rooms. Now, that said, one thing we have to think about when we look at these sections is, is there another reason? Is there another reason why this could be happening? And one thing I would point out is, A lot of the complaints in these paragraphs, and I don't want to disparage the plaintiff, I don't know her, but a lot of these complaints can instead be read, instead of discrimination, as they don't like you. They don't like you and whatever you're doing, and you're not working out at the company, and they're either trying to be polite or they're trying to shunt you aside. Not liking someone, their personality not working out, their work product not working out, does not make it a discrimination against you on the basis of a protected class automatically. And nor does that mean that they, since they don't like you, 
They don't like anybody with whatever characteristics you might have. And that's the real problem of this particular lawsuit. These are the facts we're going to get. And she might have some legitimate complaints for herself against these managers or even against the department or something along those lines. But she instead wants to say, well, then they must hate women. And that becomes a jump too far for me reading this document. Paragraph 67, eventually plaintiff realized that if she really wanted something done, she needed to send the request through a mail because if plaintiff communicated directly to this manager in question, the request would be ignored. Plaintiff confirmed this by sending a request through a mail intern. The request would garner a response when it came from a mail intern, while a virtually identical request would be ignored if it came from a higher level female employee. Now this poses another question, right? When you're talking about a higher level female employee versus this male intern, are you talking about you? Are you talking about the plaintiff here? Because every indication would be that she's a higher level female employee. And this kind of elides the answer to that question, right? I would want to know that. Are we realistically talking only in every instance about you? Because that might be bad, might be unwarranted, might be unjustified. They might be being cruel and mean and deserving of vitriol but it might not mean that they're discriminating if they just don't like you. Plaintiff observed a bias against females at Sony. In fact, plaintiff left a specific department because it became clear to her that there was no path to getting promoted. Again, it's her relationships at that particular department. Plaintiff's requests for a path to management resulted in the creation of a plan for more levels within the department instead of any communication that tasks behavior modification or knowledge was needed on plaintiff's part. So she goes and she's asking for promotion. And a lot of these paragraphs will have that. She's asking for promotion. And instead of giving it to her, instead of telling her what she might need to be promoted, they do something else within the department. And she objects to this. She frames that experience as a bias against females at Sony. And in law, that doesn't lead to that. But here we are. Plaintiff often asked managers what she could do to get promoted, much like we just saw. Plaintiff could not even get an answer to the question about what she could possibly do to get promoted. This occurred for several years in a row with multiple managers. Managers would say something to the effect of, yeah, we should talk about that. But plaintiff could never get an answer regarding what plaintiff could do as a female in the department to earn a promotion. Now, I, I don't know about you. I can tell you from my work experience in my career, I have been in conversations with upper level management, what we generally call partners here in the legal landscape, especially if you're working in big law. And if they don't want to give you a negative response, you essentially have kind of office politics. They say, oh yeah, yeah, we should, we should definitely talk about that. Let's get that on the calendar. Have, have your secretary contact my secretary. Uh, sure. And so it's difficult for me to say whether or not this is them being polite. They've asked for a promotion now in a couple of places. They're clearly not on that road to promotion. Some people, the company doesn't want to promote and managers can be bad at that. They can be bad at identifying people to promote. Maybe it's a bad manager. We don't know. Saying that that's effectively for all females in the department is going to require more information. Plaintiff spoke to three separate managers about what she could do to get promoted. Not only did plaintiff not get promoted or get an answer as to how she could get promoted, but in fact, plaintiff was effectively demoted. Plaintiff used to report to a vice president after asking about how to get promoted. She was then told to report to a manager below the vice president the vice president claimed that they did not have time to handle subordinates. Plaintiff noticed that other male co-workers continued reporting the vice president. Probably male co-workers that didn't effectively talk to three separate managers about what they could do to get promoted. Sometimes the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Sometimes the squeaky wheel gets put in the back room. So it's, it's again, we've got a sequence of events here that you can frame as discrimination if you're this plaintiff and you want to claim that. But it's a little bit harder to see than 
somebody doesn't like you. Somebody doesn't like you personally. Plaintiff noticed that other male coworkers continue reporting the vice president. How about other female coworkers? We don't get whether or not everybody else was just continuing to report in the way they did before she caused trouble. And that doesn't mean she's wrong. I've also worked at a bunch of places where I caused trouble and I was the squeaky wheel because management wasn't doing what they should. And sometimes that worked out. And I'll tell you this, sometimes it didn't. Uh, but that didn't necessarily mean I thought they hated men or guys named Rick or whatever it might be. Paragraph 71, plaintiff worked for Sony for half a decade and plaintiff did not earn a promotion from 2015 to 2021. And that's bad. You, you, you want to get promoted. You want to keep going up in your career. Plaintiff was essentially in the same position for approximately six years. Plaintiff was unable to earn any managerial title and still had a staff title. Additionally, plaintiff had the same direct subordinate for three years, but Sony never made plaintiff's management role official. And that's unclear as to how these companies are organized. Sometimes if you have a subordinate, you're automatically a manager. Sometimes you're not. Plaintiff asked her manager what plaintiff must do to become an official manager. Here's the third or fourth paragraph of her asking, but plaintiff's manager would not answer the question. Plaintiff has also personally heard managers make gender-biased comments about female workers. I saw this intro to the paragraph 72. I said, oh, okay, this is good. Now you can start to establish that this is an unfit place to work. For instance, if a female worker had some personal issue at any given time, managers would talk about how we can understand she is not performing well because she has a lot going on at home. Plaintiff has never heard comments like this about men. Plaintiff has only heard these comments about women. This behavior construes women as more emotional and less professional than male colleagues. Okay, so I can see how you could try to make that claim that this is about women needing to be coddled or being more emotional. And I can certainly understand if you're plaintiff how you might include this as a paragraph in your lawsuit. I will say again, from my experience, I've heard this kind of phraseology from higher ups, from managers who say, well, we can understand that this person isn't performing well because, oh, uh, he's going through divorce. Uh, she's uh, having a tough time with X. I will tell you from my experience as well that for the most part, right or wrong, this might not be the way to run a business. This might not be the way to run a railroad. That's totally okay. You can definitely criticize that. That this kind of sentiment in general is offered in a corporate context for the people that managers like, right? This is a question being asked about, well, you know, Bob isn't doing his work. Mary isn't doing her work. And then the manager says, well, they've got a lot going on at home. They're making an excuse. They're trying to make it so that something bad doesn't happen to these individuals that they like. If they are referring to women in this context, then that's them trying to protect them. And you could say that's coddled. You could say it's construing them as more emotional, but it's an odd inclusion in a lawsuit when you're trying to establish that this is a hostile work environment, that these people are biased against women, that you're using something that is effectively an excuse for underperformance. I'm not saying it can't be gender biased. I can't, I'm not saying that it can't be a situation where you're in one of these offices and they only say it about women and it's evident that it's a kind of coddling effect and, and low expectations and that can cause trouble at the business itself. I am saying it's not a particularly strong piece of evidence for what you're trying to show, which is that this company discriminates against women when, if anything, this starts to look a little bit like discriminating for women. Not great either way, but an interesting inclusion in the lawsuit. And again, not getting our plaintiff to where she needs to go. While in one of the departments at Sony, plaintiff was asked by the CFO to join a project underneath another department. Plaintiff's manager asked if job sharing between departments was a possibility. The new group manager was not open to job sharing. Plaintiff felt she had no room to negotiate and that plaintiff essentially had to agree to due to politics. Plaintiff told plaintiff's manager, plaintiff felt plaintiff had to agree unless they could advocate for me. It's a hell of a sentence. When plaintiff left that department, 
Plaintiff's manager said plaintiff could return anytime there was an opening. This was not actually true. There have been several openings in the department and plaintiff applied to transfer back in, but plaintiff applied and was never allowed. Okay, so again, in terms of a fact pattern here, what you see is a person that apparently isn't get what she wants in terms of transfers, in terms of promotions, and that can be absolutely frustrating. It can also be unjustified. This could be the best worker in the world, but it isn't illegal to not like someone, even for bad reasons. Individuals are individuals. And when you see this lawsuit, we're not going to get any stronger than this. I asked for promotion. I asked for transfers. They said, oh yeah, return anytime there's an opening. Um, yeah, not really. Or we should put that on the calendar. We should definitely talk about that promotion. Yeah, no. Maybe it's a terrible place to work. Maybe it's badly managed. Doesn't necessarily make them operating illegally. Approximately two and a half years ago, plaintiff sought out a mentor. Plaintiff told this Sony mentor that plaintiff was a flight risk because it appears it is impossible for her to earn a promotion, which I believe is she told her mentor that she was going to leave. The mentor said the only thing plaintiff can do to talk about a promotion is to speak to plaintiff's current manager. There's no other path to promotion at Sony. Given that plaintiff's manager would not even answer what she could do to get promoted, it became clear there was no possible way for her to get promoted at Sony. It does, it does sound like it. It does sound like they're signaling pretty hard across their management spectrum that your staff and we don't see a future for you at a higher level. That, that seems true. And that's a bad bit of news. And that can be very, very frustrating, very, very upsetting. Doesn't necessarily make it illegal. Paragraph 75, Sony sometimes promotes people in cycle, meaning around the time of annual performance reviews, sometimes out of cycle. The number of men promoted out of cycle is notable, presumably stemming from plaintiff's observation. Every out of cycle promotion plaintiff knew of was for a male. This indicates that at Sony, there are separate processes for men versus women to get promoted. That's not terrible. That's, that's an interesting kind of claim. Maybe that was the kind of claim that would bear out an additional piece of discovery, but it's also not exactly getting to this final sentence. They want to say there are separate processes. That's not necessarily the case. We'd have to know more about the consistency of various groups at Sony, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe that's enough for discovery. It's certainly stronger than some of these personal anecdotes. 76, human resources, HR itself creates resistance when women try to get promoted. HR creates resistance by losing track of females seeking promotion HR and managers also often say a person cannot be promoted because they do not currently hold a certain specific job title. Okay, again, we've got a little bit of a lighting here. We've got obfuscation. Is this you? This sounds like the plaintiff, right? HR creates resistance by losing track of females seeking promotion. You call them back up and they said, oh, uh, were, you, were you asking for a promotion? Again, because there seems to be a lot of signaling at Sony that they, they don't want you in a managerial role. In general, a lot of these things are settled at businesses by the person coming to the understanding of the signaling that they are getting when corporate is trying not to create enemies out of the people that work for them. Doesn't mean they aren't cold calculating bastards, by the way. I'm not suggesting that that isn't in fact the case. In many, many instances, it does mean that this might not be indicative of everyone's relationship with HR or their management team. In 2021, Plaintiff submitted a signed statement to Sony detailing the gender bias she has experienced at Sony. Now, this date is interesting because as I said, we don't know when she filed a complaint with the Department of Fair Employment and Housing in California. We weren't given that date because she's trying, I think, to obfuscate exactly how quickly the department said, nah, we're not interested. Here's your right to sue notice. And so we didn't get that date, but we do get in paragraph 77 
that it would appear the first time she spoke to Sony about this was this year. And it wouldn't surprise me, in all honesty, if it was about when the Activision news came up. Could be before then, of course. Uh, But if it did come up at about the Activision time, that's about 120 days ago, give or take, then you've got a situation where she she tried to file it. She wanted to get in on that department action. Certainly the state of California has indicated very strongly it is looking for all of these claims. It is It is happy to sue these video game companies for problems. And the fact that they aren't behind this is notable. But she filed that complaint with Sony detailing the gender bias she has experienced, which presumably is all of this, which doesn't necessarily lead one to conclude that there is in fact gender bias in play necessarily. And then soon after received a letter from Sony that she was terminated. Now, this is a bad fact pattern if you're Sony, right? You don't want to be in the position to say, okay, well, um, this person just complained about gender discrimination. We should fire her. Uh, If you've got a situation where she's complaining to managers and she doesn't like that she's not getting promoted and all this other stuff, you probably should do something about that beforehand if you're on the employer side of things, because this situation looks pretty bad. She complains about all that stuff, regardless of its veracity. Then you fire her, and then it gets a little worse. The notification from Sony stated that it was eliminating a certain department and that plaintiff would be terminated because that department was being eliminated. However, this was a false basis to terminate plaintiff because she was not even a member of the department being dissolved. That sounds pretty bad. I highlighted it in red, and it might well be very bad. This is the kind of thing that you could potentially bring a claim against Sony for yourself for the plaintiff herself, rather than saying there's a systematic issue at the company, maybe you do have a wrongful termination claim for this kind of stuff. Now, given the obfuscation and the alighting that we see in these other paragraphs, I could, as a lawyer, imagine that this sentence where they were eliminating a certain department and the plaintiff would be terminated because that department was being eliminated is itself a little bit obfuscatory, right? You can imagine a role where you're in a separate department and you're a liaison to let's say the esports department. The esports department dissolves, maybe you go with them, right? And you could still say these sentences, they would be truthful in a court of law, but we could see that maybe there was a reason to fire you in connection with that kind of uh, layoff situation because you were most related to the department that's getting laid off. I don't know what this looks like. This is a bad paragraph for Sony. And if this was just a lawsuit about this individual's claim against Sony, I'd say, eh, it's not the strongest, but maybe it's worth it to go to discovery. That's, of course, not what she brought because that's not where the big money lives. Ms. Majo alleges she was not promoted and she was demoted because of gender bias, because she is a female and because she spoke up against gender bias. She further alleges her termination was caused by gender bias against females and because of bias against those who spoke up about gender bias. I mean, honestly, lawyers, you can write these sentences with a little less repetition. But that's overall what she's alleging, right? And that's all the facts we get. These are the facts paragraphs. They're all about her personal situation. And remember, I know it's been a while because I wanted to read through all these paragraphs, that this is a claim, not so much about that, but about Sony not paying people equally, which doesn't even appear in the description that she brings for herself. Sony has discriminated against plaintiff and all nationwide class members by providing them with a lower rate of pay than similarly situated male colleagues. That isn't even alleged in her personal fact pattern. So that seems a little bit overbroad, but she still continues to claim discriminatory pay, differential in pay. As a result of Sony's conduct, plaintiff and all nationwide class members have suffered and continue to suffer. She wants a declaratory judgment of the rights that the various parties would have here. This particular section is a little bit unclear because I don't know what kind of declaration she wants. Neither would the court reading this. So it's it's a little unclear there. 
She wants that equal pay claim also brought against California law. Same kind of deal. And again, we're skipping a bunch of this because frankly, this is overwritten, but because there's such weakness in the overall uh, document itself, fourth claim discrimination, harassment for unequal pay and failure to promote kind of the same thing, except now we get the lawyers actually just including significant sections of the California government code. Generally speaking, you can just tell the court what the what the law is with a little quote here, but you bring big paragraphs in and plaintiff is informed and believes and based thereon alleges that defendant's conduct as described herein was substantially motivated by the fact that plaintiff has a protected characteristic, namely that she is a female. Fifth claim, failure to prevent and investigate discrimination and harassment. The ones that I thought were interesting at the top, you might note, weren't actually referenced in her own fact pattern, weren't referenced in her own allegations. You don't have a story where she really reported to people that she was being discriminated against and then they failed to look into it, despite the fact that she's going to claim it right here. Plaintiff complained about the harassment and discrimination to at least one of plaintiff's managers. Nonetheless, defendant did not investigate plaintiff's complaints or take action to stop the harassment and discrimination. This is what I'd want pled in the fact section of this document. What are you talking about? Who did you talk to? What was their response? You Can you really claim that they did not investigate? Chances are you're not in those hallways. You're not in those offices. Did they investigate? Did they say there wasn't anything there? You can probably say they didn't take action if you didn't see it, but you might not know that either. It's a problem when you're bringing a complaint like this one. Sixth claim, Sony has discriminated and continues to discriminate against plaintiff and all California class members by paying its female employees at wage rates less than the wage rates paid to its male employees. And then we get the seventh claim, which you might recognize from a completely different lawsuit we've covered here in virtual legality. This is your umbrella claim against anybody operating in the state of California. It's the unfair competition law, which as we found in Epic versus Apple can be used by enterprising lawyers in interesting ways. As the judge did in that case, she used the unfair competition law to say that incipient antitrust violations, things that hadn't quite happened yet, but could, could justify her enjoining specific language used by Apple in their developer guidelines. If you're interested in that, there's 50 plus episodes for you to check out in the Epic versus Apple playlist. But suffice it to say, it's very broad and it's one of the reasons California uh, gets a lot of these lawsuits is because it's pretty pro-employee and you might get a win on this kind of thing, but chances are it has to be hooked to something else that is a viable complaint. Eighth claim here is she wants to use the Private Attorney General Act to effectively stand in for the California Attorney General for labor violations. And she has to go through a little bit of a process there, so she reserves it. And then she has a couple of claims that are for herself. That wrongful termination in violation of public policy, effectively for retaliation, as we might see it. And we get the kind of standard, I want real damages here. The conduct of defendant described herein was outrageous, was executed with malice, fraud, oppression, conscious disregard for plaintiff's rights with the intent, design, and purpose of injuring plaintiff. So not merely to terminate the plaintiff, not merely to move on with the department or in connection with the layoff that they apparently claimed, but deliberately to hurt her. Intentional infliction of emotional distress follows along the same lines. Defendant's conduct was done with the knowledge that plaintiff's emotional and physical distress would thereby increase from all of this and was done with a wanton and reckless disregard of the consequences to plaintiff. Or if that doesn't work, they were negligent about my emotional state. Their plaintiff alleges that she lost her job and was terminated because she is female and because she spoke up about discrimination against females. And more and more law, plaintiff is informed and believes and based thereon, alleges that defendant's conduct as described herein was substantially motivated by the fact that plaintiff has a protected characteristic, female, and that she engaged in protected activity. And then she asks for a bunch of relief. 
Now, as you can probably tell from the way I've already described this document and talked through the factual allegations, it is not nearly as strong as the California lawsuit against Activision. It's not nearly as strong as the EEOC's complaint against Activision. Now, that doesn't mean it couldn't possibly go somewhere. Anytime you get a lawsuit, if you're Sony or anyone else, you have to take it seriously. You have to show up in court and say, Your Honor, this is ridiculous and try to get it thrown out and see where it goes. And in this environment, I can't tell you that a plaintiff or class action counsel is wrong to say, look, the state of California has presented every belief that there's massive rot in the video game industry. And so maybe we can find purchase with the United States District Court here simply by bringing the complaint, even though our plaintiff is alleging a lot of systematic things that don't match up with what we're even able to tell you, Your Honor. And so in my mind, I look at this and say, this is a potential problem. Not because Activision is wrongly being decided. I think that lawsuit is clearly going to go places. Activision's answer will come and we'll have to talk about that in this space as well. But because of the way folks like Axios wind up treating this question, that this is part of a reckoning, that you get lawsuits like this that, in my opinion, kind of undermine where you've got serious issues with legitimate investigations, with complaints that need to be taken seriously and need to be reported on. And if you're Sony, you have to deal with something that maybe was an individual problem, maybe deserves settlement with an individual that was affected by a bad manager or bad division, or has legitimate grievances about how she was fired. And because of the environment, because of the fact that you're going to get this press, because of the way Activision Blizzard is being treated on social media and elsewhere, you bring something much grander, much bigger against a company that, at least as shown in this document right now, doesn't appear to deserve it. As a matter of fact, might well be a situation where the attorneys have to look at what they pled and consider whether or not what's actually shown in their document is frivolous, groundless, or otherwise harmful. It's definitely one to watch, but it is not the Activision you're looking for. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoyed talking about these kinds of things, the business and law of video games, technology, and more, please consider supporting the channel. We've got a Patreon and other ways to support us listed down below. Otherwise, just subscribe. Tell your friends that we're here. Upvotes, downvotes. Give me those dislikes. I can see them. Send those dislikes my way. I will happily take them. I'll know that you're listening. I'll know that you're watching this because you sent that dislike to me. Otherwise, if you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.